Praise God. Good deal. Praise the Lord. Well, you look like a spaced out church today. You like that? Um, good morning. Good to see you. Um, I want to, if we go to Matthew chapter 2, that's where we're going today, just have something to really been challenging me. I want to challenge all of us with it. Um, I appreciate Kurt coming up and talking about, we're, you know, we're, right now our area is in a season, right, of COVID. And so we'll get through it. We'll be fine. I really appreciate the leadership. Have that be your mantra through this. Don't forget wisdom, That's right. right? I said even a verse, Jeff. I want to talk to you about uh, our, the series we're in. Who knows? It's such a weird time. We, were, we had a series of, uh, we might have a thing up there. Uh, yeah, what, what day is it? There you go. And um, do you guys remember... If, after Scrooge saw all of his, um, you know, ghosts, and then he goes to the window, and he opens up the window, and he says, boy, what day is it today? Was it two years ago Elam was here leading worship? Sunday? The one good thing about this is I feel like I'm in a time warp, so I feel like every day I need to open up the window and say, boy... What day is goose in the store? Go buy the goose. You mean the big one? Yes, the big one. Uh, go get it. Da, 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 da. So, but the whole premise is happening in the world, what's happening in my life, what's happening in our region, what's going on, and to really pay attention. So when you get up tomorrow and you're a little confused at what day it is, I just want you to remember this message today, okay? <laughs> Every day. This is a good day to repent. So if you're going to say, hey, boy, what day is it? Part of it is this humility and repentance uh, that needs to come upon us. I want to I share with you a little bit, 2020, um, at the beginning of it, um, I turned 50. And hard to believe, huh? And, oh, seems like 50's halfway to something. Oh, the whole world would shut down for my 50th anniversary. Um, but but uh, this is a year... Uh, and it's even stronger for me personally, and I believe us collectively, and hopefully you personally. This is a reboot year. This is a reboot. A reboot is a gift. A reboot is a gift unless you don't reboot. Um, those of you, obviously, who, I don't even know, did anybody even work on computers anymore? Yeah, I haven't had a computer for seven years. Is that not weird? So, but you still reboot them, right? I, I just do tablets and iPads and stuff like that. Uh, so, but... When you're in a reboot, when a computer needs a reboot, it's not working. Something went awry. You got that stupid spinning wheel of death or whatever. I don't even know what Windows has. What's the Windows thing that makes you reboot? The out yes, thank you. I, I remember that from my days in the 30s. Um, the hourglass. I mean, like that stupid hourglass. So here's what you can do when the hourglass or the spinning wheel of death comes on your computer. You can... Just complain to everybody. Right? My computer, I hate my computer. My computer's old. I hate the Mac. I hate the Windows. I hate the PC. Dell is terrible. I hate IBM. Who invented computers? Let's go back to paper and pencil. Da, 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 da. That is an option. <laughs> and unfortunately, in 2020, that's the preferred option. You can have that option. You can get angry. You can get mad. You can blame everybody. Blame yourself. Blame God. Blame the Democrats. Blame the Republicans. Those darn libertarians or whatever it is. We're just like, ah. Or you can say, you know what? 
maybe it's time for a reboot. And you have to push a little button and something happens. It goes, and it just goes dead, blank, whoosh. And there's a party that's paranoid because what if that's the end? You're thinking, oh my gosh, that's $1,000. How am I going to get this? And it goes, but after it goes whoosh, it goes bing. And there it comes alive. And the spinning wheel, the hourglass, it's all gone. And it's like new and it's brand new. Then you call up your friend and he says, you know, you could prevent this by actually closing some windows, deleting some photos, adding more RAM, whatever. He has some clue. But it took a reboot. And I'm telling you right now, and I, and I speak to the church because that's who, at least in part, pays attention to me. We need a massive reboot. A reboot. And I'm telling you, if we don't get a hold of a reboot at this time, we will be worthless. We'll be worthless. If you run a business, if you don't do a reboot, just shut it down because you're not going to survive. If you're in any ministry, if you're not going to do a reboot... Any church, this is why I just can't get back to the, I can't wait to get back to the way things were. I'm telling you, that's fine. You can go back there, but you won't survive. We've got to get a reboot. And a reboot, and a reboot takes something intentionally shutting down, refocusing, getting a renewed passion for life, vision, call, whatever you want to say, and then rising back up better and stronger than ever. This is a time for a reboot. I want to go to Matthew 2. I want to talk about the wise men. Uh, if you, uh, you know, if you know the Christmas story well, which you probably do, um, the wise men are the very last thing to come in the Christmas story. So because of that, they oftentimes get overlooked because you have like three weeks to teach on Christmas and the wise men come two years later. And then in two years, you just forget about them again. So, But I want to start with them today, the Magi, these guys. We don't know. Listen, here's what we know about them. We know like eight verses. That's it, period. So you have a lot of things that you know. That's fine. But I just want to look at what this actually says here. The Magi come and they're seeking Jesus. And, and they're a good picture, in my opinion, of where we are now and what we need to do in this. What day is it? This is a good day to repent. Okay, so verse 1, I'll just poke around in here. Uh, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, um, King Herod was there. Okay, here it is. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So these guys, whoever they were, there's a lot of speculation. I find it extremely fascinating to study him. I love studying the star. I love the, how the planets. and It's really cool stuff. But for the sake of today, there were... Really cool guys, big time people. Were there three? I don't know. Were there hundreds? Maybe. We know that this was pretty significant people. We know they weren't Jews, so they were Gentiles. That's important because I want you to see that the first people to really give worship to Jesus were Gentiles. It's cool stuff because he came, of course, for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. And so they come and they're searching out a king. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that they, the, the Magi, for however they got there, it's very possible uh, they were familiar with some of Daniel's prophecies. 
It's possible that during some of the um, captivities and the, the dispersion of the Jews, uh, maybe five, six hundred years before this, they caught some of the uh, prophecies. They saw the star. Whatever they saw, whatever they knew, it prompted them to pursue the king of the Jews. And I'm pretty convinced they weren't just coming for a finding another king born. They knew something about this king that was far greater than just another king born. So they recognized it and they pursued. So here's what I want us to make sure we know. By the nature that we're here, by the nature we're watching online, there's something in us that is a pursuer. There's something in us that says, I'm going to pursue this king. There is. You wouldn't be here if you didn't have some sort of pursuing unless like somebody made you come here. We don't usually get that. We have had it, and God's done some cool things in those. So feel free to tie people up and drag them in. God sometimes uses that. Um, but there's something in you that is pursuing the king. I know that. I absolutely know it. So they pursue the king. Because they're pursuing the king of the Jews, if you were going to come and say, I'm going to go see the president of the United States, would you go to Idaho? No, of course not. You'd go to D.C. So they're coming to find the king of the Jews. Obviously, they go to Jerusalem. Right, right. Go to Jerusalem, and they ask, where, when the king, uh, what did they say? They said, where, we have, we have, where, is, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw a star. We've come. They say, in Jerusalem, pursuing the king of the Jews. Um, they go there, and they say, where is he? Assuming he would be like in the back room with his mother nursing or whatever. There he is over there. But he's not, and... Um, I'll go through and read it. Um, when, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with them with him. The cool thing about that is these weren't just three guys riding in on little scooters. Um, somehow the entire city of Jerusalem was disturbed by this. Something happened big time. So I don't know what they were, but this got the whole city rattled. So he, uh, he says, when he had, and Herod called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where, where the Messiah was to be born. So watch this. So he brings everybody together because Herod's like, man, I didn't have a kid. I don't know. Where's this king of the Jews? Brings together all the scribes and teachers, says, where's, the, where's this king supposed to be born? Now, kings could have been born anywhere, but it, they were looking for a specific king who was the Messiah. They weren't looking for just a king. Herod wasn't born in Bethlehem. The guy before him wasn't. Many of them, the only one that we know for sure was born in Bethlehem was David, and that was a long time ago. And so they said, where's the king born? Immediately, the scribes say, Bethlehem. And they quote Micah chapter 5, verse 2. They said, Bethlehem's where the king is born. So what happens then is... The Magi say, okay, we're out of here. Thanks for the overnight stay, Jerusalem. We're gone. And they went to Bethlehem. Here's what I want you to see. Because this is where a lot of people, where the breakdown comes in our pursuit of Christ. And even as you've walked with them for a while, this can be the breakdown. You come pretty close in your pursuit. They're pursuing the king. They went to Jerusalem. A lot of people would stop in Jerusalem. We made it. Nice hotels in Jerusalem. We caused a stir. We're a big deal. We're in Jerusalem. They're really close. I'm telling you, a lot of believers live 10 miles away from the Messiah. 
So close. So close. Just don't take that one last step. You know, come to a worship service twice a month. I'm so close. Come every day, whatever. I'm so close. Don't quite make that next thing. Um, I was thinking about some things where I've been close in my life and, and do you pursue it. So in, this was, I think it was 2002. It might have been 2001. Um, I'm in the, Sandy and I are in the very southern part of Mexico. Bizarre place. Um, we entered a part of Mexico that it, I had no idea even existed. Went to places where they didn't speak Spanish. Um, we were with these native people way up in the mountains. But to get there, it was a crazy trip. So we're in, we have a Jeep, like a Jeep Cherokee and a van because every mission agency has an old beat up van that doesn't run really well. Part of the requirement. So we're in these two things. There's about 10 of us. We're going up here with these Indians and doing some medical mission stuff as well as some outreach things. Um, they didn't, it was, it was such a cool trip. I could tell you stories about it. But they didn't, uh, uh, there was, no, there was uh, six known believers in two villages. That's it. Uh, so remote. Uh, me and two other guys were from America, white people. Um, we were the first white males that they had seen. There'd been females in there as nurses and teachers and stuff like that. We were the first white men. That was weird because we got a lot of fascination with our skin. Um, so, but to get there, it was about 11 miles in the mountains, but it wasn't, it wasn't quite like 11 miles, let's see, that might take you 15 minutes. No, it took us 10 hours to go 11 miles. We're windy things, dust everywhere, roads were crazy, the Jeep breaks down, we got to do some rigging it together and somehow got it started, we had a flat tire, we go over there, we can, we're snaking around mountains and up and switch back and all this stuff and we can see way over there, they said, that's Ixtayula, that's the village we're going to. It was a massive village of 500 people and so he said, that's where we're going. We can see it but we're hours away because it's up and around and all this stuff. So after 10 hours in this dust and extreme heat and we're filthy and we're like tired and we made it, we're so excited we got there and to the place where we're actually going, it's a, it's a building up there, um, we're probably 100 yards up a hill and we made it to the bottom of that hill where we were going. Well the problem was we couldn't get up that hill. We are so close. We have a van full of medical supplies. We have all this stuff here. The Jeep made it up, and the van couldn't. So this guy driving it, he started up, couldn't make it back down. Started up, couldn't make it. And this is what they said. They said, you know, we're just going to have to park down here, and, um, and we're close. And I, I, I was young or whatever. I'm not usually like this, but I kind of got a in me. And I said, we're going to make it. I, I suppose I spoke a little bit in Spanish because at that time I knew some Spanish. I probably said something like, you know, puedo hacerlo. Uh, you know, let me drive or whatever I said. And I, I said, give me a drive. So I backed up and I hit that thing. Boom! And up the thing and we got up there. Like, hallelujah. And it was good we got up there, obviously, because we actually slept in the van because we didn't have a house. Um, but here's what I want you to see. A lot of Christians settle for, we made it, to the bottom of the hill. Right there. Pretty close. Not bad. We're sure a whole lot closer than anybody else. Not doing too bad. We could walk up there and visit. Man, you come, if you've come this far, don't stop at the bottom of the hill. 
get some guts, get some giddy up, put your foot on that gas and, you know, we're going to do this. Brian, you would have done that too. That was fun. I was, I was actually, after I got up, I thought, I don't think that was a good idea. <laughs> but oh well, we made it. I was young, slightly dumb um, at the time. And, and, but, but, I, but I just want you to hear this. The Magi knew there was an answer in the Messiah and they wouldn't quit in Jerusalem. I challenge you people, in this season of reboot, don't hang out at the bottom of the hill. Or maybe you've drifted to the bottom of the hill. Maybe you've just gone to, oh well, it's easier to go down. I don't really want to go back up. Maybe I used to be up there walking tight with Jesus. Now I'm just down here coasting. It's a whole lot easier to hang out at the bottom of the hill and complain. I'm just saying don't do it. Don't do it. There's 350 million people in America and we're 100. There's 349,990,800 that are just at the bottom of the hill complaining. Maybe somebody needs to go up the hill and meet with the Lord. It's real easy to stay in Jerusalem. It's real easy. Watch this, and here's a warning without getting into it. It's real easy to focus on the earthly king. Real easy. Why? Because the earthly king's big, powerful, Give you cookies if you hang out with them. I'm telling you, the earthly king doesn't contain the answers. And yet watch this. I'll just say most of the church today is hanging out in Jerusalem with the earthly king. Get off there. You know I've said that we've got to believe that the government's going to fall. The God of government's going to fall. It has to. Why does it have to? Because the church is so tied to the government God that we're inept in our power that comes from on high. We've got to release from that and turn to the one Messiah who nobody else is seeking. Kind of insignificant, not real famous, hanging out in a little town. Pursue him. You're going to find something in the pursuit that will change your life and change the world. Just take that last step. So the, 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 the guys here, Magi, they do that. They take that last step. So they hear about Bethlehem. They are so not interested in Jerusalem. They immediately go to Bethlehem. Uh, verse 7, Then Herod called the Magi secretly, found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so I may go and worship him. So they head off to Bethlehem to find the king. I don't want to go here too much, but it's just interesting to me that K King Herod deceived them and used all of his power to deceive them. Had it not been for a super supernatural invention of God, King Herod would have killed Messiah. Why? Because it's real easy to believe people in power. Why? Because they're powerful. Why would you not believe people in power? They're powerful. I'm just saying, man... Let's be really wise to not just trust anybody. I don't care who it is. Just trust anybody in power. You can trust people in power, but trust them based on what God is speaking to you, not just a blanket, well, you're King Herod. We'll do whatever you say. King Herod, really? King Herod was a nut. A total nut. Don't just believe what King Herod says. Maybe people liked him. Maybe they didn't. That's not the issue. 
the Magi pursued the true Messiah. And when they got there, they went to Bethlehem. After they heard the king, they went on their way. The star that had, they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Watch this. When you take that next step, you experience joy. It didn't say they were overjoyed to meet King Herod. They met King Herod. That didn't bring them the joy. They met King Herod because it was a way to what they were looking for. The joy comes when you take the next step and pursue the true Messiah. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you so much. When, we, when we're defined, let's just say you know the season we're in, when you are walking in a different joy than everybody else, it's so evident. You know, I, I know most of you. You're different than the rest of the people. You just are. You just are. You're characterized by different. When somebody thinks of you, they think differently. They say, wow, they have some peace. They have some joy. They seem to walk in faith. They've got this, how, what, how, mm. Why? Because you took the extra step and pursued the true Messiah. Amen. And I'm telling you, when you take that extra step, you see him and you're overjoyed. You're overjoyed. You're overjoyed in the middle of storms. You're overjoyed in the middle of horrific things. Man, there's been some really bad things happen. Doesn't mean you just pretend everything's good. No, it's really bad things happen. But when I pursue the Messiah, there's something inside that will walk me through storms. So, so they go and they find him. They're overjoyed. And then when they, when they got there, they just did three things that cha just changed everything. And I'll just throw them out to you and let you ponder them this week. They're overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. Here's what they did. They did three things. They bowed down and they worshipped him. They opened up the treasures, presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, it's really fun to teach on those. I'm not going to today. Um, and having been, here's, and here's the thing though. So they, they bowed down, they worshiped him. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So here's what the Magi did. They were pursuing Christ, which is no matter where, where we are on the road, all of us here have some sort of pursuit of Christ. So they're pursuing Christ. They found him, they're overjoyed. Here's what they did. They bowed down, they worshiped. And then the third thing they did, which we sometimes overlook in this, they obeyed. If When you find the Messiah, you must bow down, worship, and obey. There's no other, if you're not doing those three things, you didn't find the Messiah. The Messiah, just by the response to the Messiah, an encounter with Jesus is always bow down, worship, and obey. Now why is that, why are those important to get to? Because when we take our position, the position when we meet Jesus is to bow down. What is a bow-down position? Um, well, it's a number of things. But I can tell you, if you bow down, it's totally different than being standing up facing something. If I bow down, right? So if I just go down like this, immediately, everything changes about me. I can't run. Although if you ever raised a three-year-old, you do a lot of running on your knees. But, but I can't run away. I'm here. I, I really can't fight. I'm here. If you're on your knees, you just, 
it produces humility. You just are. I'm telling you, if you want to just do a, a little test, uh, someday in your room or whatever, um, read the Bible on your knees. It'll change everything. There's something about this position. It's just, you just naturally want to repent. I'm telling you, this position is important. And, and also, there's pretty significant, if I literally bow down in front of somebody, usually you're going to bow down somebody, in front of somebody powerful, I am completely trusting them, right? You're standing there with a sword and I do this. I'm not relying on my own strength. This is terribly comfortable. I might just stay like this. Or I might be stuck like this, one of the two. What if he can't get back I know. Well, then we got real problems if he can't get back up. Well, we'll help you out, okay? <laughs> we got a couple right behind you ready to help you back up. But, but, I, but I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this clearly. The Magi bowed down before the king. And honestly, people, in our reboot this year, let's take this approach. Let's take this approach. Repentance, humility, trust, faith, whatever it would be, have a position. And the other thing they had is they had a priority when they came. I guess I couldn't get back up. Yes, thank you. Hallelujah. The, the other thing they did is then they bow down and they worship. The second thing, when you meet the Messiah, it's just a natural thing. Again, if, you're not, if you don't have a position of bowing down, if you don't have uh, worship, and what worship became was their priority. They went there to worship. It was a priority. When you worship something, you focus on something. So if you're, whatever you're focused on, that's what you're worshiping. Because and, and, that's what it is. It, it consumes you. And we've all been there where there have been things in our lives, whatever it is, that consume us. And that's usually a, you know, a thing that's going through or an issue. And obviously that's good to think about things. But I'm telling you, when it totally consumes you, it has overtaken worship. Last year, our buddy Gabriel here uh, put pop bottle caps in his eyes. Um, was anybody else worried last week that he was going to do something? You know, I wasn't even sure he could see because he took his glasses off and he's sticking these things in. I thought, oh, great. Here we go. Uh, but... I thought it was a great illustration. When you, whatever that thing is, it becomes so big, it's all you focus on, and that's worship. But watch this. The Magi had it together, people. They brought really expensive gifts. We do know that. But they, when they got there, they worshipped with their gifts. They, did, they made a sacrifice. They, 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 they went all out in worshipping this king. I'm telling you, make sure in your reboot... I would do this. If I, if I would, would, would say, what's, what should you do in December? I would just say, I want to do a personal reboot in my life. So in your reboot, pursue the king, bow down, and worship. Worship. Focus on him. Get into him. You can use music. You can use scripture. You can just think whatever it would be, but get your eyes off of Watch this. They got their eyes off of the fanciness of Jerusalem. They pursued a baby, and that's what they worshipped. And then the third thing they did is so important. And this is, the, this is the proof that you're bowing down and worshipping. The proof is they obeyed. They obeyed. God spoke to them in a dream. God said, don't go back to, uh, don't go back to Jerusalem. Don't go tell King Herod. They immediately obeyed. And they went a different way. 
it's kind of a real little, little byline in the scripture. It's really important. It's really important. Had they, you know, there's a couple things that tie in here because obedience is really key. Joseph is extremely obedient because Joseph receives the dream also. And Joseph gets the dream that they're coming to kill the kid. And he wakes up that night and moves the family to Egypt. Good Lord, guys, don't do that to your wife. Man, that better be from God. Can you imagine? Honey, get up. Why? We're moving to Egypt. <laughs> what? <laughs> so they wrap up this kid and get all their belongings. She's holding gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I, you know, they just moved to Egypt in the middle of the night. Uh, so you better, man, if you, you're in trouble in your marriage if that's not from God. Uh, but it was from God. But the Magi also heard from God to not go back that way. They immediately obeyed immediately obeyed. And by obeying, the world got their Messiah. The world saw the Messiah. It's, it's not even, watch this. I, I, think I, can, I think you understand this. If you're only bowing down and worshiping, but you're not obeying, you're actually not bowing down and worshiping. You can't take two out of three. If you're bowing down and worshiping, you're doing it for personal gains. I like it better. I feel good. It's like meditation. You know, whatever it would be. It's better for me. But if you're not adding the component of obedience, it's neither of A or B. A, B, C means you're following the Lord. And, and so all I want to challenge us with today is when you think of, when you get up tomorrow and say, man, what day is it? Do I go to work today? Do I not go to work? You know, all those things. Is it Christmas? I think it's still October sometimes. And you know, you're, and then, it, then we had that weird November where the sun stayed out, and that was odd. Um, so, but when you're in that, what day is today? Just remember, today's the day to reboot. And I'm telling you, the ones who reboot in this season will win in the next reboot. Reboot personally, reboot as a family, reboot as a, as a body, reboot. And reboot just like the Magi did. Pursue him. Don't stop at the bottom of the hill. Go that extra mile. It takes a little more effort. And when you find him, bow down. That's your position. Worship. That's your priority. And obedience. Have it be your passion. What does Jesus say? He says, I came to do the will of the Father. What was Jesus' passion? Jesus' passion wasn't to heal the sick. He liked doing that wasn't his passion. Jesus' passion wasn't um, teaching wonderful things. He liked doing that. That wasn't his passion. His passion was doing the will of the Father. His passion was obedience. And then in the obedience, he healed the sick. In the obedience, he spoke life. In the obedience, people's lives were changed. But it was in the obedience. And so we, may we have a passion among all, above all else to do the will of the Father. And I'm telling you, if that's your goal for 2020, 2020 won't be the year from hell. It could be the gift of God for you. That's what I want. I hate this year. I hate it, right? I don't like anything about it. But remember, I could join the millions and complain, or I could say, well, I'm going to reboot. And I'm going to make this be the season that got me positioned for the best season ever. 
You don't think these magi had an amazing life? We don't hear about them again. It's the end of them. I think they had a lot of fun the rest of their life testifying about the Messiah. You know, we'll hang out with them someday. Maybe they'll have a little gold left over. It's going to be pavement, just so you know. Um, but they entered another, another level of walking with Jesus because they pursued, they worshipped, they bowed down, and the whole world was changed. We got a chance to change the world. And, and I know that sounds so grandiose. We, so I'm just going to say it because I believe this is grandiose. I'm convinced millions will be touched through Warren County and Chautauqua County. Millions when we reboot. Millions. Don't think this is something small. We're going to shape this nation. We're going to shape the nations of the world. And yes, right out of, can anything good come from Nazareth? Yep. Right here it is. It's going to be something so big, it will happen when a group of people said, reboot me, Jesus. Reboot me. I'm really excited about the reboot. I hate the spinning wheel of death. But I'm excited when it comes back on. It takes some time. I don't know what that time is. I have no idea. I'm not saying that tomorrow everything's going to be awesome and the world's... I don't know. Who would have thought in March that we'd still be here with spread out chairs? Right? We thought we were done with that. Well, we're not. Don't lose heart. Right? Don't lose heart because the reboot's going to happen. And I'm telling you, it's going to dominate things. I am super charged up. Don't quit in the middle of the reboot. That's when most people will grow weary. Don't you dare do it. You listen online, don't you dare give up during the reboot. Hang on, because I'm telling you, there's something awesome, awesome going to happen. Let me just pray for us. We're, we're all in this, what I'm talking about today, we're all in this together. So I want us to know this is, we're in this. And we're going to see some really cool things uh, going on. Um, I have so much I could share from this week, but I'm not. But I will tell you this. Um, I was hanging out with uh, Bob Sorge, uh, Jay Paul, uh, Peter Siakama, Sadiq Fofana, and me. The only oddball. Um, And so I, I say that because they all said, please tell everybody we love them so much. And they're with us, and they're standing with us, and all that kind of stuff. But here's what I want you to hear. This is... This type of thinking that we're into, this is what the people who are walking close with Jesus are hearing. It's a massive reboot coming. It's a massive one coming. You, you guys know Bob. He was here in June. And, and, and Bob just is so convinced that God has something so big for this time. And this is the guy who can't talk, so he hears a lot. I don't ever want to go mute, but I'm telling you, I'd be a lot smarter if I did. Uh, So would you, just so you know that. Uh, But there's such a prevailing across the board, those who are walking closely with Jesus, that if we hear from him and if we respond correctly, the world is going to be never the same. Not, you know, it was never the same after 9-11. That's not what I'm talking about. 
Everything that came that we're stuck with after 9-11 is bad. It just is. Really nothing good came of 9-11. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a forever shift in the way followers of Jesus follow Jesus. That's what I'm looking for. Because we've gotten, we've, we've gotten all awry. Uh, followers of Jesus got a little confused over the last 10, 20 years. It's going to be a shift. We're going to be a massive army that brings hope, love, truth, and the gospel to people. It's going to be really cool. It will be the greatest revival any of us have ever seen. And I believe the greatest revival in the history of the world is going to follow. And it's going to happen. We're going to be involved with it when we reboot. So, Father, right now we just come to you. And, Lord, we ask you to reboot us. We ask you to have us walk in repentance, have us walk in humility, but not to shrink back and just wallow in it. But man, you rise us up and you have us, our face right at you and you give us passion and wisdom and power to walk in this obedience like never before. Thank you so much, Jesus. I just thank you that we're not in this alone, that the frustrations we have, not only can you can we walk with you? But Father, we walk with others. Father, have us encourage each other to pursue you. Above all else, pursue you. Bless everybody here today, Jesus. And bless us with that humility and repentance that has us see you high and lifted up as the worship king. Bless you, Jesus, and thank you. Walk with us. We thank you for protection and for uh, your amazing hand. And, and all of that stuff, Jesus, that you're so good. So we give you praise, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, be blessed and uh, stay in touch in every way possible. Hallelujah.